0: I'm 18 years old, and I come home from my senior year at Boone High School one day, and I proclaim to my parents, I'm going to join the National Guard. Well, you see, with a lot of people in it, like on the commercials, it makes it seem like some big patriotic moment that families have. But since my dad was still in his uniform from being a first sergeant all day to out at the Boone Aviation Facility, it really wasn't that big of a deal to my family. He pretty much said, all right, well, get in the truck. So he took me down to his armory, introduced me to his recruiter, and said, here you go. So I sat down and talked with Sergeant DeGroat, my recruiter in Boone, and he said, Sarah, um, what would you like to do with your career? And I really didn't know, I mean, at 18 years old, I had it all figured out, of course, right? As we all do at 18 years old. I said, I write for the school newspaper, that'd be cool. I said, I've got only two real requirements though. One, I'm not gonna be in aviation. I've been the first sergeant's daughter for as long as I can remember. I do not want to be in his unit. Number two, I want to travel. I want to see the world. I want to get out of Boone. Maybe go to exotic places in big cities, like maybe even Des Moines. (laughs) (laughs) So Sergeant DeGroat looks through his book and says, well, I see there's a journalism spot up at Camp Dodge. And guess what? That's in Des Moines. Sign me up for that one. So Sergeant DeGroat does up all the paperwork, writes it all out. I'm gonna be a broadcast journalist in the public affairs detachment. Slides the paperwork over to my side of the desk and says, I just need your signature right there. 18 years old in my infinite wisdom, I said, what's a signature? He said, don't worry about it. Just write your name in cursive right there. (laughs) Fast forward my life 10 years, and I'm now 28 years old. I've graduated from Iowa State University with a degree in entomology. And I've gone on two mobilizations. I've traveled the world doing public affairs, doing broadcast journalism, doing videos and photos all over the world. And in all intents and purposes, I had it all figured out. I was working full-time on Camp Dodge, and I was approached by someone from the Gold Star Museum, Mike Vogt, and he said, Sarah, we're working on a video project. I was wondering if you'd be willing to volunteer your time to help us tell the story of some of our Iowa veterans, and I said, sure, yeah, I know how to make a video. I got this, and he said, these stories are actually of uh, survivors of prisoner of war camps from Iowa, World War II, Korea, Vietnam. So, of course, yet again I said, yeah, I'm happy to help. What can I do? So Mike Vogt and I started traveling the state of Iowa and interviewing survivors of POW camps from these generations. I got to hear all their stories of how they survived through the torture and the torment that earned them the name of veteran. One stands out to me in particular, one of my very first interviews, Larry Spencer. You see, Larry spent seven years in the Hanoi Hilton in Vietnam. He told me stories of how the only time he would see the sunlight was through a little slit that was in his room that separated him from the outside world. The only way he knew what time of year it was was based on what soup they brought him because he got a a piece of bread in the morning and a bowl of soup in the afternoon. And the soup would be something like a spinach-based or a pumpkin-based. And I said, as I'm doing the interview, Larry, how did you survive this? I could not imagine it in my young 28-year-old mind. And he said, Sarah, let me tell you this. There's two types of people you can be a prisoner with. The first person says, we're never going to get out of here. And he's right, every day but one. The second type says, we're going to get out of here tomorrow. And he's wrong, every day but one. Who would you rather share your cell with? So Larry taught me about perspective, that every veteran has a perspective of a story to share. So let's fast forward my life another 10 years. I'm 38. I'm now married and I have two kids. I'm not working on Camp Dodge full-time anymore because I chose to stay home and raise my children. I do video freelance, make a little money on the side, and I've always continued to do the veterans' stories, volunteering different capacities through the museum, and in that time in my life, you know, you go to Christmas parties, and your 20th reunion, and people always say, Sarah, what are you doing with your life? What's going on? Oh, chit-chat, idle chit-chat, but it would always come back to the same thing, my veterans, and I would want to tell their stories. And I'd say, you think it's cold out right now, try being in Battle of the Bulge. Let me talk to you for the next half hour about that. (laughs) So inevitably, regardless of the conversation, I would always want to talk about my veterans. So our youngest started school full time and I thought, what am I gonna do with my time? So my husband and I sit down and say, what am I gonna do? And he said, I don't care what you do, but I want you to be happy. That's the most important thing to choose. And I said, that it's, I'm being drawn back to these veterans. And when I would tell these stories to people, they would say, Sarah, th- I love this. I love this. I want to watch it. Where can I see these videos? And then I get the deer in the headlight look like, well, if you want to come with me to my computer, I can play it for you. You can watch it over my shoulder. <laughs> which is an awkward moment, there's only so many times you can do that. And I'm like, you know, I wish that somebody would take this business, take this thing of veterans interviews and make it into something. You know, somebody should really do something about that. And I'd look behind my shoulder like, eh, maybe somebody's back there. But it wasn't until that moment that I was talking to my husband that I said, maybe that somebody should be me. It's my job to tell these veterans stories. So we decided that I was going to start a nonprofit, family support. So the next year of my life, I'm doing tax paperwork, talking to lawyers. Anybody in here that has ever started a nonprofit knows there's a lot of work that goes to it. And I'm so busy doing all the PR and doing the interviews and getting them gathered and getting them pushed out, just like a machine. I've been like a a dog on a leash for too long, and I finally got loose, and I was just, Everywhere. I never took the time to slow down and see what I was doing. So last Memorial Day, I was up at the Gold Star Museum, where I volunteer every year, and um, Cynthia Fodor called and wanted to do a story on me. I said, yeah, sure, come on down to the museum. I'm down here anyway. And she said, well, show me where your videos are. And so we walked into the gallery at the Gold Star Museum, and there's three computer monitors on the side, touch screens, and there were little kids lined up to watch these videos. I had never slowed down long enough to appreciate this part of it. They were all sitting there pushing the buttons. They were, you know, little first and second graders sharing chairs, pushing their brother and sister out of the way, trying to share the headphones so they could push the buttons and watch the veteran interviews. And I thought, wow, that is so amazing. And on that same day, I was approached by a gentleman who I had interviewed his dad, who is a 101-year-old World War II veteran. And he said, I was over there looking at these videos and I saw a little kid watching my dad's interview. And at that moment, I realized that I had done it. I had gotten the interviews to the people that they needed to get to to that younger generation so that these veteran stories can live on for that generation. Thank you.